Welcome to God's Church on the Move, the podcast that takes you to the spiritual hotspots of the world where God is actively at work building His kingdom. With me in the studio today are Ron and Karis Pierce. Welcome, guys. Hi. Okay, so I'm excited about today because I know you're excited. You just got back from El Salvador and you have an update for us. Well, uh, guys, I've been on many trips over my life and I've walked into situations where I pretty well knew what was going on. I thought I knew what was going to be like in El Salvador when I went in there. Uh, like nowhere else and then no other time in the last 35, 40 years, whatever it is like that. I was shocked, happily shocked hmm. as to what I was seeing. I was surprised beyond belief. I sat there at one meeting, literally I couldn't even form a question simply because I had never even dreamt that this is possible before. For instance, here we go. Got to give you a background and then we're going to go into the situation. Um, we We heard that there was something going on in El Salvador. We were put onto it by friends. Um, we asked the question. We did Zoom calls. And they were talking about this one church, large church in the country, um, how it was doing outreach to um, children, prisons, um, um, the poor people, shall we say, the impoverished in the countryside. The, the San Salvador, the capital, is a rich city. It's a capital city and it's well off. But you get out into the countryside, it's it's third world poor. And so um, I, I was thinking, okay, we can help this. So we sent in some New Testaments to help them in their prison ministry. And we also sent some children's gospels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. So I go into this situation after um, been told about it, get off and on the ride, the half hour ride from the airport to my hotel, I was given this, these numbers and this lowdown. And I'll tell you, at, by the time I got to my hotel, I was really skeptical. <laughs> I thought, okay, these guys are pumping this up way right. more than what I, it's not even feasible. But at the same time, I thought, well, I'm here anyway. I, I need some <laughs> warm weather. Um, uh, and uh, therefore, I thought, okay, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure there's something good here. So I heard these numbers. I heard that there was a massive um, change in society because since the 1980s, I think it was, um, the country had been locked in civil war. Um, gangs had taken over. There was prostitution. There was extortion at every level of every business, protection money, shall we say. There was drugs. There was, you name it, the vice or the evil, it was there. It was a dangerous country oh, for a while. People right. were getting killed. Yeah. There were bodies on the streets. We, um, we, we know of um, one family where uh, the, the, the gentleman was the mayor of the town, and um, he was killed, and the um, wife and the daughter and the son had to flee to Canada. And we've heard this story before, and it, it, there was sadness everywhere, mm -hmm. bloodshed. Well, all of a sudden, they told me, um, the people got tired of this. And what they did was that they elected this young um, president a couple of years ago, and he came in with the promise of cleaning up the mess. So, therefore... They passed a law. I'm hoping I'm getting all these details exactly correct. I could be off on a few, but uh, this is the general gist of it. Um, they passed this law, and they were going to give stiff sentences to those involved in any level of the gangs and all this evil. 
and they were going to lock him up. Hmm. So they did. So eight months ago from right now, backwards, they started this. And here are the numbers. They, um, there are 21 prisons in the country totally. This church is operational of, uh, in 17 of these prisons. Before the law came in, before this started eight months ago, there were less than 40,000 prisoners. I got some numbers somewhere between 25,000 and 40,000. So we're going to say today less than 40,000. This was a solid number, though. Today, eight months later, there's 92,000 prisoners in the jails. Wow. And <laughs> that's in eight months. They, they grew by, say, 52,000 in a period of eight months. And this number is growing. Now, the, the brother told me, he says, the curve is flattening on this. Right. But it's going to be well over 100,000. So a politician that followed through on his word is what you're saying. Wow. They, they passed laws. They passed this law. And they're, they go 20 years is like a minimum sentence, 30 years. Wow. Um, and they're concurrent as well. So if you've done multiple crimes or whatever, you can go in for 90 years. So they literally took them, put them in jail, and threw away the key. And these, these people have, um, are paying the price for their sins. The people in the countryside, their economy has changed. There's business coming in. There's peace on the streets. I kept getting asked by these guys, don't you look outside and all of a sudden you can see that you can go for a walk at night or you can do this mm. or that. You know, like there's freedom now. They're not going to shoot you. Wow. So clearly and, they were missing that in oh, their lives. Oh, yeah. Wow. They kept bringing it up to me. And mm. I thought, well, this is normal sort of thing. <laughs> well, I felt I felt better on the streets there right. than I did in most cities in North America right now. So. They called it um, that they were putting him in prison for belonging to an illicit association or gang participation. And this was both men and women in these prisons. So they said, we have now got into these prisons and there's Bible studies. There are Bible schools. There's seminaries. There's pastors mm -hmm. who are the prisoners who have become pastors. We needed these New Testaments to start them off because the hunger for God is so great. And they said, now get this. I hope everybody's sitting down at home to listen <laughs> to this. They said approximately half of all the prisoners now in the prisons have accepted the Lord. Wow. And that's when I sat back in my seat and thought, <laughs> okay, sure. Right. I've heard this story before. Right. All right. Next morning, we get up early. We go to one of these prisons. I'm going to tell you exactly. I'll paint a picture as to what this looked like. There were 1,800 prisoners in here in the, in the prison. And the, we went in. And th this was sort of like a medical issue prison. Um, it, it, it wasn't a hospital, but there were hospital beds in one little section and there were 1800 there. So we walked in, but before we did, we got to talk to the warden of the prison and he sort of sketched out for us many things. There are two things that popped out of this conversation that I want to, I want to talk to you about. First of all, they said that there is a massive turning to God and a hunger for God, and a transformation of these prisoners. And they said, this transformation is only due to the gospel, that Jesus has come into their lives, and this transformation is real. Now, this was the warden. 
And then we said, well, have you tried anything before? They said, nothing else that we have tried in the past has worked. This is the only thing that has worked. Was the warden a believer? Is this a one-off because uh, he was in charge of this, or is this in many different This is in every prison, the same story. I I think he was a believer. I cannot be absolutely positive of that because I didn't want to ask him. (laughs) I just wanted to gain the information. If he's not, it's only a matter of time. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and the guards, too, both male and female, were impressed with these prisoners and the changes. But this prison is just an example of many other prisons doing the same type of thing. Not all. The highest security ones, I don't think they're in. There's four of them. Um, high security, and I don't think they're in there right now. But of the 17 that they're operational in, um, yeah, this is major, major gotcha. stuff. Um, so uh, the second thing he said was this. We help them to become disciples of Christ by giving them strong discipline. And I thought, there's an idea. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay. So what did you mean by that? Well, he says, we have strict um, discipline of the prisoners. They get up, I think it was 4.30 in the morning, a.m., and they go to bed at night at around 7.30. They are structured in their lives, in their duties. They have to have this Bible study. They will have all these hours to study. They've got Bible studies regularly. They've got teaching coming at them. They are allowed Bibles. We need more Bibles, more New Testaments, whatever you got. So he says, we put structure around their lives, which is basically where the word discipleship comes mm-hmm. from. It's a structured walk with God. Right. So this guy was really good. Yeah. And I didn't even see the prisoners yet. <laughs> so so here we are. I'm getting my adrenaline going. Then we walk into the prison. Okay, now, we go through the gates and the doors and we get, uh, you know, make sure we didn't take any radios or, or um, telephones. Um, they... They've put blockers up on any um, electronics getting in, any waves. When I say that, um, there's no phone reception in Hmm. the prisons. You don't have anything electronic in there. You cannot guide, uh, a gang head cannot guide his organization on the outside. There's no communication. Hmm. And this is going to be for 20 to 90 years. Right. All right. So this is a dead end that they're in. So we walk in. We walk down these hallways, and we walk into this basketball sort of style courtyard, and with cells on either side, big cell um, areas, where probably 20 or 30 prisoners would sleep on bunk beds. We walk into this. 600 are there for church. Wow. 600. There's there's 1,800 in the prison, and there is 600 in front of us. They couldn't get the other 300 in, and they wanted us to stay for a second service with them. Hmm. So I said, so actually half are believers? He says, yes. And then the service started. The worship was so strong. I was watching these guys on their knees, hands raised, tears coming down their cheeks. I look for indicators in situations like this. The indicators are, I want to see your Bible. And so here we were. I looked over the entire crowd. Those that had Bibles with them, they were dog-eared. They were underlined. I made sure I noticed this from one brother. He had underlined various sections. These were well-used Bibles. Hmm. And um, many of them were falling apart. And 
that is a perfect sign. Then right. I then I saw their reactions to certain things, their body language while they worship. Not just hands raised. You can raise your hands and put on a, a good front and and play a game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that many of the prisoners um, were uh, were tempted to play a game. So I asked the, the warden about that too. I said, do you think all of them in this group that we've got here, do you think they're all believers? Well, he says, if they do not act like a believer and follow the teachings of the word, if there's anything, they go back to the other side. And I said, what do you mean the other side? He says, half of the prison is for the general population of the unsaved. When they accept Christ, they go over to the Christian half of the prison. I said, you're kidding. Wow. You got a 50-50, and if, when you're born again, you leave the environment of the unbelievers and come over with the body of Christ. Yes. <laughs> Never have I seen this. Never. Right. Uh, in so, Well, maybe there are in certain situations around the world small numbers of this, but never of anything of this size. And so we we sat there. I just could not believe it. And they were listening to the word when the word was preached. They were intently listening. Um, I, I said also this. I said, do they ever mock the preaching? And they said, oh, no, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, and the warden said, or one of the guards, I guess it was, um, said, no, that that doesn't happen. The prisoners take care of that themselves. <laughs> In other words, okay, so there is a code of ethics and conduct amongst the Christians, how to handle things. Everything was different. You could you could even see on the women guards, they were happy to be over. And I heard that um, they prefer to be on, prefer, a strong prefer <laughs> right. to be on the Christian side rather than on the non-Christian side of the prison because of the way they're treated. We'll put mm. it that way. And therefore, I thought to myself, this is incredible. So, Now we come after that being said, and I I, I said, okay, what do we need? They said, we need Bibles. So that's why we've taken in 18,000 full large print Bibles right now, and there's probably another 35,000 or more going in. we got to feed this revival. Um, They've got all sorts of needs for Bibles with commentaries, like life application Bibles that have notes around the Scriptures explaining things. We're taking those into the pastors because they have started in all of the prisons where they're active, this large church, they've started Bible school slash seminaries. They're training pastors in there and they're training them probably studying eight to 10 hours a day, every single day in the things of God. When these guys get out after 20 years or whatever it is, I'm not sure how paroles will be handled in this. You're going to have an army of the most dedicated Bible knowledgeable um, <laughs> um, uh, prisoners, the, the Sauls turning into Pauls in a prison in El Salvador, when they have all this scripture around them, they're getting trained. We're going to have pastoral study notes for everybody. We're going we're gonna to saturate the situation. There is absolutely no doubt. So it's come from probably one of the most dangerous places on earth, cleaned up on the streets. People are safer. And now it's going to the area of, okay, we got to take these guys and give them a chance to reform that entire part of the world. The, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna feed them with the word. The government thinks they changed the country. Now, just wait till oh. these guys get out. Oh yeah, this is going to be. I, I, I anticipate this is going to be unbelievable. 
And that's why when I tell folks this and they're listening at home, they're thinking, can't be true. Can't be true. I know <laughs> I was a skeptic too. Listen, until I saw this, and you're going to have to believe myself, and you're going to have to believe um, um, the others that were with us that day on the, on the trip. You're going to have to believe a warden. You're going to have to believe all these people. They're witnessing this every single day. They're starting a mega prison there of 20,000 in one high-security prison. I want to see what happens there. <laughs> right. I, I want to see how many of these bad boys um, really come over from the high-security one. The, the, these guys have been steeped in sin. Right. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, the other thing uh, that I'm going to share with people is this, that we are also working with the kids. They've got these after-school classes helping the kids um, with their schooling, with their lives, etc. We went to a church, and all these little churches, there are 220, I think, that the mother church from San Salvador is working with, about 220, 200, of these smaller village churches, and they've training them, they've changed them during the week so that after school, they will take these little kids in 4 to 14 years of age, help them with their schooling, give them Christian education, give them some food, give them love, all of these things. So we went to one of these you wouldn't believe these little kids. They were so sweet, um, so loving. I got more hugs uh-huh. than I get from my girls. <laughs> I care, I care that she, but, but these little kids were coming up, giving us all hugs, and they were singing songs. Um, you see, they only go to school for half a day. So I think they start at 7.30 in the morning, and they go to noon, or they go from noon to 5.30 at night. It's, it's one of those arrangements. And therefore, in those off hours— they have to have the mothers and the fathers um, help them to come, and they are, um, you know, granted permission to bring their children to these, etc. Uh, everything's got to be fine with that. But uh, there's, if any cost, it's very, very low cost. They have these little uniforms, little T-shirts they put on, and <laughs> it's cute. What they asked for, New Testaments, children's Bibles, anything to feed these kids so that the mums and dads at the other end can hear the gospel and lead the family in the ways of God. Right, wow. So we're going to work on that one too. Um, there's, there's a bunch of other things popping out of this. Um, it's the prison one that I wanted to convey to people. We've given up on many facets of society over here. This shows me the power of the gospel to get to the worst of the worst and redeem them. I'm going to be doing a sermon on this coming going forward and on a teaching. This is going to be called repentance, true repentance. And you could see it on the faces of these prisoners. They were sorry. They were embarrassed. Mm. They want to change. They are going to change. And they know the power of God is the only thing that can redeem their lives. Therefore, this is true repentance. Mm. Okay, I told you guys he was excited. This is this is excellent. Um, you've heard it here first. There's definitely something happening in El Salvador. It is absolutely a spiritual hotspot, and we can't wait to hear more news coming out of this country. <laughs>